0: Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. I am excited today to continue our series called "God Encounters." If you have missed any of the previous weeks, I encourage you to go on to canvaschurchsd.com. And go to media and, and you can download the, the messages there, you can watch them or you can listen to them um, as you're driving in your car. But if you've missed any of them, I encourage you to go to the website and uh, take, a, take a listen to the, the services that we've had so far in this current series. And today we're going to continue our series and we're going to take a look at the life of Gideon. And we're going to look at his God encounter. So would you turn with me to Judges chapter 6? and Judges is at the beginning of the Bible. Um, The first book of the Bible is Genesis, and as you just kind of fast forward a little ways, uh, you're gonna get to Judges. If you've gone all the way and you see Samuel or um, uh, Chronicles, you've gone too far, you just want to rewind a little bit, and you'll find Judges there. But we're going to start off in Judges chapter 6, and we're going to take a look at verse 11 and start reading there, and then we're going to flip over to Judges chapter 7 and read some there as well, uh, get, a, get a good chunk of the scriptures this morning. Uh, So I'm going to continue, and I'm going to start off with uh, verse 11. It says, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at Ophrah, not Oprah. You you know you want to say it, right? Uh, Which belonged to Joash, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Please, sir, If the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you. And he said to him, please, Lord, how can I save israel behold my clan is the weakest in manasseh and i am the least in my father's house and the lord said to him but i will be with you and you shall strike midian the midianites as one man and he said to him if now i have found favor in your eyes then show me a sign that it is you who speak with me please do not depart from here until i come to you and bring out my present and set it before you and he said i'll stay till you return So Gideon went into his house and prepared a young goat and unleavened cakes and an ephah of flour. Uh, The meat he put in a basket and the broth he put in a pot and he brought them to him under the terebinth and presented them. And the angel of God said to him, take the meat and the unleavened cakes and put them on this rock and pour the broth over them. And he did so. And the angel of the Lord reached out the tip of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened cakes. And fire sprang up from the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened cakes and the angel of the Lord vanished from his sight. Then Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord, and Gideon said, alas, O Lord God, for now I've seen the angel of the Lord face to face, but the Lord said to him, peace be to you. Do not fear, you shall not die. Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it the Lord is Peace. To this day it still stands at Ophrah, which belongs to the, those people praise God. Uh, That night the Lord said to him, take your father's bull and the second bull uh, seven years old and pull down the altar of Baal that your father has and cut down the Asherah that is beside it and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of the stronghold here with stones laid in due order. And it it continues on. Let's let's turn over to Judges chapter 7 and we're going to start in verse 2. It says, then The Lord said to Gideon, the people with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into your hand, lest Israel boast over me, saying, my own hand has saved me. Now therefore proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, whoever is fearful and trembling, let him return home and hurry from Mount Gilead. Then 22,000 of the people returned. Yikes. And 10,000 remained. And the Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many, Take them down to the water, and I will test them uh, for you there. And anyone of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, shall go with you. And anyone whom I say to you, this one shall not go with you, shall not go with you. So he brought the people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, Everyone who laps the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set by himself. Likewise, anyone, anyone who kneels down to drink." And the number of those who lapped, putting their hands to their mouths, was 300 men. But all the rest of the people knelt down to drink water. And the Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hand, and let all the others go, every man to his home. So the people took provisions in their hands and their trumpets, and he sent all the rest of Israel, every man to his tent, but retained the 300 men. And the camp of Midian was below him in the valley. That same night the Lord said to him, Arise, go down against the camp, for I have given it into your hand. Would you pray with me this morning? God, we thank you for this opportunity to be in your house and to worship together and to receive your word. God, I pray that you would minister to each one of us this morning only the way that you can. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. There he was, Gideon, down in, 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 the, in the wine press, pressing grapes, you might think, but no, no, that's not what he was doing. Wine, wine representing joy. Man, there hadn't been joy in Israel for quite some time now. No, he wasn't pressing grapes, he was down inside the wine press, beating out the wheat. Beating it out. It was the time of harvest. Usually the time of harvest, harvest was a time where they would gather up the, the sheaves of wheat and they would take it up to the hilltop. And they would find that hard place of ground and they would take the oxen and they would drag it, the oxen and pull the oxen over the top of the wheat and beat down uh, the, 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 the sheaves. And they would take their winnowing fork and they would take the winnowing fork and, and throw it up in the air. And as they did that, The wind would blow all the chaff away and what would be left, what would fall to the ground would be that grain. It was a time of celebration. Everybody would gather together on that hill and and they would celebrate that harvest. They would celebrate the provisions that God had brought to them. But this was not a time of celebration. Because there was no more oxen, no sheep, not even a donkey. Year after year at the time of harvest, their enemies, the Midians, would come in swar- like swarms of locusts, so many that they couldn't even count them, couldn't number them, and they would come through and take over and take and destroy everything Israel had, take their oxen, take their sheep, take their, their donkeys, and leave nothing for them, no grain, no, no sustenance, nothing to, to live off of, nothing to survive with. They'd known this for year after year after year. And so here is Gideon, down in the wine press, beating out the wheat. Sweat, sweat, beating up on his forehead. All alone, beating it out, beating it out, over and over again. Wondering in his mind, where is this God? Our fathers had told us about. The one that delivered their people from Egypt, that had done miracle after miracle after miracle. Where was this God of ours? As I stand here in this wine press, hiding, hiding away from our enemies, just so we can just get a little bit of sustenance, so we can. Survive, and in this place was where Gideon's God encounter happened. In this time of doubt, in this time of fear, this is where the God encounter takes place. I don't know about you, but maybe you're here today and maybe you felt like Gideon before in your life. You ever wondered, is God even out there? Does he see what I'm going through? Does he care? Or are all the miracles that God does, are they for everyone else but me? Have you ever felt that way before? Is it just me? (laughs) Is it just me that I've wondered that a time or two in my life? I think many of us have been there at one time or another, and in this place of fear and in this place of doubt is where Gideon is encounters God. And as we look at this passage and as we get into the scriptures, we're gonna see that several things take place when we have God encounters. And one of the things that often takes place is often our perception of God changes when we have God encounters. See, in this passage we, we look at it and here's Gideon and his idea of God is that he's distant. Is maybe apathetic, that God isn't with them any longer, that God has left them. And in this moment, in, in, this, in this thought that Gideon has, his encounter with God shifts that and changes that perception that he has of God. And we see that take place here in verse 12, verse 14, and verse 16, when the angel of the Lord comes to him and says, the Lord is with you. O mighty man of valor. So the first thing that happens is is Gideon's perception of God being a distant God, no longer with his people, that is shifted, that is changed, as the angel of the Lord comes and says, the Lord is with you. And again in verse 14, he says, right there in verse 14, do not I send you, in other words, I'm with you, I'm right here, I'm sending you. And then in verse 16 again, it says, but I will be with you. Here's the thing, Israel had been living looking at the God of the past and looking back and just hearing about the God that once was, that did this long ago. And how many of you know you cannot navigate through life looking in the rearview mirror? How many of you tried doing that driving? It doesn't work, right? It just doesn't work. Now, occasionally we have to look in the rear mirror, right, to check, make sure everything's good. Sometimes because we need to back up a little bit and get going in the right direction. But we all know that if we continue to see God as the God of the past, or the God one day when, we miss that He is the God with us right now. And that's why Isaiah 7 verse 14 is so powerful. Because Isaiah 7 verse 14, it's the prophet prophesying of what was was going to take place that the virgin was gonna give birth to a son and that you're to call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel meaning God with us. Jesus with us right now. He's not just with you, he wasn't just with you last week, he's with you today. He's not just gonna be with you tomorrow, he's with you right now, amen? So, Gideon had this idea of God shifted. It shifted as he had this God encounter when he realized that God is with me right here, right now. See, if we only see him as the God that was with us, then where's the hope in that, right? Where's hope? We always just look back to what God did long ago. There's no hope for what God can do right now and what God can do tomorrow. And if we're always looking and having that mentality of the somewhere over the rainbow is that pot of gold where God is going to be with me. But how many of you know you never get there? I remember being a kid, and I saw the rainbow, and we'd go out into the field. I grew up on a farm that had 15 acres, and we would literally go out into the field and try to find the end of the rainbow. You never find it, do you? You don't. And so Gideon discovered that God is with me now. The next thing he discovers is he is not just the God that did, did miracles back then for his people, that he is the same God today. The same God yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews tells us that Jesus Christ is the same to yesterday, today, and forever. Malachi 3:6 tells us that God does not change. And when we look at this passage with Gideon and his encounter with God, one of the things that takes place as he brings out that present, remember he said, I don't leave until I can bring a present to you so I can somehow know that it's you that's speaking with me. And he brings the present out and he, he brings out the meat and he brings out the unleavened cakes and pours the broth over it and sets it on the rock like the angel of the Lord told him to. And what happened in that moment was a miracle because when that staff touched it, fire sprung up out of the rock and consumed that present, consumed that gift that Gideon brought. And in that moment, he discovered that he is the same, that he, he, he is not just a God that did a miracle for me long ago, but he is a God that can do a miracle today. He saw a miracle of God right before his very eyes. And so in that moment, he had to know that God was not just with me now, but he is the same God that delivered his people with miracle after miracle today. And he can do it today. Amen, isn't that exciting? I don't know about you, but I need to know that God is a God that does not change. That he is the same. And I know usually it's when we find ourselves in those positions of needing a miracle that suddenly we believe in miracles, isn't it? You can you can be going through life and wonder if miracles really do happen, if God really can do miracles and just kind of like, well, just think maybe it's not for today, but when you're the one that needs a miracle, suddenly Like God, you're a God of miracles. (laughs) God, come right now and heal my body, touch me. And Gideon discovered that he is the same yesterday, today and forever, he is a God of miracles today. The next thing that Gideon discovers through this encounter with the Lord is he discovers that he is the Lord of peace. Right there in Judges 6 verse 24, something happened and you see it throughout scripture that when people have God encounters, they, the thought was back then, is you don't walk away alive from a God encounter. If you have a God encounter, it's, it's an absolute miracle that you're alive today, right? That was, that was their thought, that this, if you survived a God encounter, wow. And so he realized in that moment, I'm having a God encounter, oh my gosh. And he calls out, he's like, oh Lord. And he says, for now I've seen the angel Lord face to face, and he screams out, alas, oh Lord God. But God comes and says, peace be to you, do not fear, you shall not die. And I'll tell you something, Gideon had not known peace, the children of Israel had not known peace in quite some time. Peace was what they longed for, peace is what they were hoping for, and God came to say, I'm not just gonna give you peace, but Gideon, I am peace. The Lord is peace. And when you have the Lord in your life, the Lord with you right now, the God of miracles with you right now, you can face any circumstance in life and have peace. Have you ever had that before where maybe you looked at someone and you saw the circumstance that they were going through and you thought, how in the world are you making it right now? And you recognize that there's something about them, they have a peace in the midst of it, and then you discover that they know God and they put their hope and their trust in Him, and that's where their peace comes from? Have you ever had somebody look at you, maybe, and they're like, you see them at work, and they know your stuff, they know what you're going through, and they're like, how in the world are you doing it? How in the world can you have a smile on your face right now when you've gone through such great loss, and it's because you have the, the Lord of peace in your life. So Gideon discovers he's God with me now. He's the same God that did miracles then that can do them today. He's the Lord of peace and he is the one true God. We see in uh, verses 25 and 26 that God gives and commissions Gideon to do something. And he tells him you need to go and you need to tear down the altars that your father has built up to Baal, a false god. It was an altar that they had built up where they would go and they would pray to this false god. And he says, you need to go, you need to tear that down and in its place you need to put an altar to me. And in that moment he discovered that this god is the one true god, that there is none other. There's no other god but the one true god. And we see that his perception of god changed. In that encounter, in that moment, his perception of God changed. He saw that he's God with me now. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That He's the Lord of peace, and he is the only one true God. God encounters don't just change our perception of God, but God encounters often change our perception of ourselves, don't they? Of ourselves and of our purpose. And so Gideon has this encounter and he begins to see God for who he is. And what we have to understand is Gideon was of a generation that didn't know the Lord and didn't know the works that the Lord had done. If I just rewind a little bit and we go back to the message that Pastor Ben preached about last week, talking about the children of Israel when they were in Egypt and they were under they were in slavery in Egypt and God called Moses out to go and deliver his people to bring his people out of Egypt to a mountain where they could worship God and and then after they go and God does miracle after miracle and delivers them and brings them out of Egypt they go to this mountain they worship God they spend a whole lot of time in what's called the wilderness we don't have time to to stop there but then A man came on the scene by the name of Joshua, and God raised up Joshua and used Joshua to bring Joshua and all the children of Israel into a land that God had promised to them. That God said, this is the land I've given to you. This is the land I've promised you. And Joshua brings the people into that land. And then the Bible tells us that that Joshua dies and all the leaders that were with Joshua that witnessed all the miracles that God had done passed away. And what was left was a generation, it says in Judges 2.10, was a generation rose up after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. And this was the generation, there had been generation after generation now that didn't know the Lord, didn't know the work that he had done firsthand. And this was the generation that Gideon was living in, a generation that had followed after many other generations that had not witnessed what God had done for his people and didn't know the Lord. And and so, he has this encounter, he discovers who God is, God shows him his character, shows him aspects about himself. And as that takes place, then God begins to shift Gideon's perception of who he he is. And in verse um, 15, Gideon responds to what the angel of the Lord said to him. The angel of the Lord comes on the scene and there he is in the wine press, hiding away, beating out the wheat, and he comes to him and says, the Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. He's like, do you see where I'm at? You know, um, Have you noticed my surroundings? Have you, you know? And, and Gideon says something about himself. He says, I am the least and I am of the weakest. That was was what Gideon believed about himself. I am the least and I am the weakest. And God begins to come and just doesn't even acknowledge it. Isn't that interesting? God just doesn't even acknowledge that. He says, but I'm with you. Hello? So in other words, yeah, you are. You are the least, you are the weakest. You got it right, Gideon, but I'm with you but I'm with you. And I love a passage of is one of my favorites because I feel like I'm this person. In Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 26 to 28. And it says, for consider your calling brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many of you were powerful, not many were of noble birth, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. In other words, Gideon, that's exactly what qualifies you to be the one that I'm gonna choose to bring, to deliver my people, and to save them from the hands of the Midians. He doesn't even acknowledge the fact that Gideon thinks and sees himself as weak, and as the least, because the reality is none of us are good enough, none of us are strong enough, none of us are smart enough, but we have a God that is with us, that is all-powerful, that is all-knowing, and that sees the beginning from the end, and so because we have him with us, then we are able, and we can face whatever storm comes our way, we can face whatever battle comes our way because we have him with us. We might be weak, we might be strong, yes, but by his grace, What does the Bible say? His grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient. If his grace was sufficient enough to bring you and I into the family of God, to forgive us of all of our sins, of every mistake and every failure, then his grace is sufficient enough to guide us through every battle and every storm that we would face. Amen? Amen. I believe that. And so he begins to show Gideon this, that It's not about your strength, Gideon. It's not about your abilities. It's not about where you've come from. It's about my presence in you. It's my presence with you. And then he begins to show Gideon his purpose. And so his his perception of God shifts. His perception of his, his self shifts. And then he begins to see that his purpose is far greater than hiding in a wine press, beating out wheat. That that wasn't all that God called Gideon to, that there was a greater purpose, and that purpose is seen in Judges 6, 26 and Judges 6, 14, where God commissions Gideon to restore worship to him. Tear down those altars that were set up to worship a false god, tear those down, restore worship to the one true God, and then drive out your enemies. This is your purpose: restore worship and drive out your enemies. It's the same pers- purpose that God gave the children of Israel when He brought them out of Egypt. You're going to come out of Egypt. You're going to go to this mountain. You're going to worship Me. That's that's the reason. That's the whole reason. Why I'm it's not because you're in slavery, but it's because I want you to worship Me. I want you to have a relationship with Me. And He's restoring Gideon and the children of Israel back to that purpose: to worship God, to be in relationship with Him, to look to Him and then to drive out your enemies. Because God gave them a promised land, but the promised land, they were gonna have to go in and they were gonna have to fight some battles and defeat some enemies and drive the enemy out of that land and then possess it. And so God begins to restore Gideon back to that original purpose that was far greater than what he knew and what he had seen up till this point. And as I look at this, and we go into chapter seven, we begin to see another thing that changes. Gideon's perception of his circumstances change. So he begins to see God, who God for who God truly is. Now he begins to see himself, and yeah, weak, the least, but I've got God with me. I've got a purpose, and God's called me to something, and I need to do it. And then the circumstances he's in. Then God begins to deal with the circumstance. They had been battling this enemy, the Midianites, for some time now. And now in chapter seven, God says, now it's time. I want, I want to take you in, and I want you to drive out those Midianites. And so Gideon, thinking, man, I'm going to need a lot of people, because this is a really big army. And we've experienced them coming in like locusts, too numerable, like So many of them. So I'm gonna need thousands and thousands of men and gathers thousands of of men, the the men of Israel. And God says to him, you just got too many, Gideon. And so send all those that are afraid, send them home. 22,000 people leave and he's left with 10,000. You would think at that moment that God say, okay, that's good. All right, I know you're freaked out. 22,000, you just saw 22,000 people walk away. I mean, that had to be like, But then God says, no, nah, it's still too many. So, go down to the water. And I just find this so interesting. I think God has a really good sense of humor. Because he says, okay, take them down to the water and watch how they drink. And all the civilized ones bend down low and they drink the water. And then there's 300 that, Like dogs, it says. The Bible points out they did it like dogs. Okay, the ones that are like animals, uncivilized. Those 300, those are going to be the ones I pick. Gideon, those are going to be the ones that are going to go into the battle with you. Gideon's like... When we face circumstances in life, we think we need all this stuff to get through it. We focus on all the things we don't have and all the things that we need. If we just get another pay raise, if we just, uh, you know, uh, if, if just this thing happens at my workplace, if if this thing happens with this relationship, if if I can just get these things lined up, then I'll be able to overcome whatever situation I'm facing. If I had this, if I had that, if I had the boyfriend, if I had the girlfriend, if my, if my wife behaved, if my husband behaved, if I, all of these things. And once I finally have all of these things in line, then, I can face this situation. We think that we need all of these things when in reality, we just need one, and it's Him. Because the one that can provide all of those things, if we have the one that can provide those things in our life, then we have nothing to fear. But we look at circumstances and situations and I need this and I need that and I need this. And the reality is is we want to be at this, we want to skip God changing our perception of him and skip through, we don't give a rip who we really are and what our purpose is. We just want our situation to change, right? We would just, okay that's all great God but can you just change our situation? How do I know that that's what we always want is because that's, what are your prayers consist of? Do your prayers, when you go into a time of prayer, are they, God, you're so awesome. God, you're amazing. Lord, I thank you that you are so faithful. I thank you that you are a God of peace. And focus, or is it, God, I really need you to come through. I do not know. Our bank account is in a deficit. We are not gonna make it, God, this relationship, God, this would you just, God, would you come through on this, God, would you come through on that? That's usually what our prayers consist of, don't they? But we're never gonna have our perception of our circumstances change unless first our perception of God changes and our perception of who he's called us to be changes. Then we can step into whatever circumstance you face in life knowing that I can make it through because I have a God that is on my side and that he's called me his own and he's given me a great purpose and he is not gonna let me fail. You might think, Katie, that's a really big statement. God's not gonna let me fail. I feel like I've failed so many times. No, 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 no hear me. You might have failures in life, but God uses those to bring character changes and, and to work things out in our life for our good and for our better. Yeah. And so... God comes and changes and shifts his perception of his circumstances. Where well, that was all that Gideon was focused on, that's all that the children of Israel were focused on was what they were going through in that moment. The enemies that they were facing. And we, we face enemies every day. Now hear me out, your boss is not your enemy okay? Your spouse is not your enemy. People that don't know God are not our enemy. But every day we face an enemy of fear. We face an enemy of doubt. We face an enemy of lack. We face an enemy of sickness. We face enemies every single day. But when we have the right perception of God, we have a right perception of who he's called us to be, we can face those situations and those circumstances and know that they're gonna work out. But we get stuck in our circumstances when we focus on what we think we need. And I love Matthew 6 because Matthew 6 talks about that. Matthew 6 addresses that and Jesus is like, look, stop talking about and being anxious about what you're gonna eat, about ladies, about what you're gonna wear. Sunday morning, I do that sometimes. Stop worrying about those things, stop being anxious about those things. If your heavenly Father takes care of the birds of the air, the lilies of the field, he's certainly gonna take care of you. So not to be anxious so you can face those circumstances, not focus on what you need, but focus on him that can provide for what you need. And so when we look at chapter seven, verses seven through the end there, we see that God says to Gideon, hey, Gideon, you plus me is a majority. We're good. We're good. You plus me is a majority. It's all you need. You plus me, and you're going to make it through the battle that you're facing. Sometimes we get the thought that when we get God into our life, that then everything's gonna be easy and everything's supposed to work out just right and we're not supposed to face any battles in life? Have you ever thought that before? Or maybe you just recently come to know God and you thought, okay, it's all supposed to work out now and I'm not supposed to face any hard and difficult times. But the reality is that we live in a world that is fallen, we live in a world where there's sin, we live in a world where there are people that choose to sin and make choices and decisions that directly affect you and me. And sometimes I know those, those things that happen that you look at, I did not deserve that. Where was God in that? And You begin to look at him, where, where was God in that? If God is with me now And God is a God of miracles. Where was he when that happened? Here's what I know is the only way that those bad things in life can be prevented. Some people ask, you couldn't God have stopped that? Yeah, yeah, there's one way that he could have stopped that. And that's by stripping all of humanity of their free will. That's how God could stop every bad thing that happens in our lives, but that's not love. God were to strip every one of us of our free will and make us do what he wanted us to do, there's no love in that. God did not want a people that were robots and loved him because they were made to love him But God gave each one of us a free will, but because of that, there are people in this life that make choices and decisions that directly affect us. But that does not mean that God is not with you. That does not mean when you face that difficult loss that God was not with you. It does not mean when you face that diagnosis that God is not with you. Because he is, he's never left you and he never will. He will guide you through whatever you're facing because he is God with us right now. And I feel like there's somebody here that needs to hear that this morning, that needs to know that maybe you don't even have a relationship with God. And you're wondering, Katie, how is God with me now when I don't even know him, that I've never given my life to him? I do not call myself a Christian. He's with you now. I know, it seems weird, doesn't it? But he is. The Bible says that God is everywhere present. There's nowhere you can go where you can hide from the eyes of God. He's there. The Bible says in Psalm 139, you can even make your bed in the pit of hell. And behold, there he is. You cannot get away from him. He is standing there. But you you say, but Katie, look at my situation. Katie, look at my circumstances. Yeah, have you invited him in? Have you said, God, come The reason why God showed up to Gideon that day, you wanna know why? It's because if we rewind back to the beginning of chapter six, it's because all the children of Israel began to cry out to God. They began to cry out to him. And God heard their cry. He said, okay, there you are. You're inviting me back in. You want me to come back in. And God sent a prophet. And then God appeared to Gideon because he was invited in. And I believe that there are some of us here this morning that God is saying, I'm just standing at the door and I'm waiting. Just invite me in. Just invite me in and see what I can do. Just invite me in and wait until you can see the peace that I can bring you. Just invite me in and see how I can guide and navigate you through the difficult challenges of life. Just invite me in. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.CanvasChurchSD.com.